to Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram, and welcome to episode 158 of Natural MD Radio, Menstrual Cycle Tracking, the best me search you can do. Your menstrual cycle is a sixth vital sign, an important monthly reflection and scorecard, if you will, of your overall health. Intentionally tracking your cycle can help you learn whether and when you're ovulating, determine whether symptoms like pelvic pain, low sex drive, acne, sleep, problems, migraines, digestive or other symptoms are cyclic and therefore likely hormonally related and can help you have more control over your reproductive and gynecologic health in general. It can also help you to know when the best time it is to conceive or avoid pregnancy, depending on your goals right now, and help you recognize when you're entering perimenopause or menopause. So it's a lifelong guide throughout our menstrual cycle years and beyond. It's a guide to where you are in your cycles and life cycles at any stage and a perfect way to assess your hormone health and balance because your cycle health is dependent on healthy hormone levels and also in turn determines your hormone levels. For example, if you're not ovulating, you can't produce adequate progesterone. As every woman's cycle is a little different, tracking your cycle can help you identify your own unique rhythms. And if you're having trouble with your cycles, tracking can help you get a picture of what might be going on. Over time, this information becomes a personal health compass, giving you important information not only about whether your cycles and cycle-related hormones are working optimally, but if other signs and symptoms are cycle-related. Understanding your personal cycle can therefore be a tremendous source of health empowerment. It's also one of the best ways to tune into the inner guidance that your menstrual cycle provides. Let's dive into how to track and chart your cycle, and soon you'll be on your way to tracking yours as a powerful hormone health diagnostic tool, making you the best expert on your hormones and your cycle that there is. There are three methods involved in cycle tracking all falling under the umbrella of fertility awareness. They can be used individually or together, which is how I started, but I eventually dropped the temperature-taking method that I'll tell you about in a minute once I knew my cycle really well and once I was past using my cycle as a guide for fertility awareness and conception or preventing pregnancy. For the clearest picture, I do recommend women track at least the first two methods for three months minimum to get a good sense of your typical cycle. If you're not sure whether you're ovulating and you want to find out, or if you're using fertility awareness to prevent pregnancy, then including the third method, which is basal body temperature, which can tell you if and when you're ovulating is really important because that's the most clear indication, particularly if you can can combine that with cervical mucus awareness to know what your fertile window is. And that fertile window is what you can use to achieve or to avoid pregnancy. And it's actually a really small window of five days. So it's, it's really quite accurate. Think of tracking your cycle as developing your cycle sense, an awareness of how your body, moods, energy, sleep, food preferences, and other subtle signs that I talk about in my cycle sense podcast um, 
guide you through your cycle from the first day of each period to the last before your next period starts. And as long as you're still menstruating, even if irregularly or you're solidly into perimenopause, you can start learning about your cycles by tracking. It's never too late and it's always a beautiful thing because it connects us to all women who have ever lived and cycled going back time to time immemorial. And there are always new mysteries to uncover that you have these wonderful aha moments when you start tracking your cycle. So let's get into the three methods. Method one is menstrual cycle charting. You likely have a general idea about how often your period comes, and maybe you think that's enough information to go off of. But what we tend to think is happening compared to what's actually happening may be two different stories. Studies have found that women often report having regular cycles of about 28 days, but when they're asked to actively record their cycle lengths, they have either shorter or longer cycles than they were actually realizing. Menstrual cycle charting is like opening a wide lens on what's really going on cycle to cycle. It's also the simplest and easiest and least expensive of all the methods. So in the least, why not go for this one? At its most basic, menstrual cycle charting involves paying attention to and documenting whether you're getting your period and how long it lasts. So how many days from day one of your period to the last day before your next period forms one menstrual cycle chart. And on that, you would note the first day and how long your period lasts. And then if that's all you're doing, then the next chart starts the first day of your next period and how long it lasts. I highly recommend noting um, how you're feeling physically, emotionally, and even intellectually and spiritually right around the start of your period. You can download my cycle sense chart by going to avivaram.com forward slash 158. That's for episode 158 of Natural MD Radio to get a sense of what that looks like and what to pay attention to, and what to note on the chart, because it's all mapped out for you. And it's not all or nothing. You can include as much or as little information as you'd like. Now, if you're ready to kind of up-level, you not only pay attention to your first day of your period and how long your period lasts, But you start to notice all these other senses and you start to track your cervical mucus and when you're ovulating and your food preferences and your mood and your energy. And you can also use the basal body temperature part of the chart, which I'm going to tell you about in just a minute, to really get a full picture. And that's when you can start to really use this to identify your fertile window. But also as you start to learn more, like I teach you about in hormone intelligence and in other podcasts, you can start to note whether your cycle is long or short or regular or irregular. And if you're not ovulating, you can dig into my book, Hormone Intelligence, and find out what all of these different things mean. So what does it mean if you're having a cycle that's every 26 days, or maybe it's every 38 or 45, or it's irregular, or you find out based on your cervical mucus charting and your basal body temperature or one or the other of those that you're not ovulating what it means and what you can do. So how do you start with basic menstrual cycle tracking? First, download the menstrual cycle chart that I share with you over at avivaram.com forward slash 158 or find one that you like on the internet. And in a minute, I'm going to talk about cycle tracking devices. Um, but I really think that when you're getting started, especially for the first few months, 
pen and paper is so important. It really gives you a moment to hit pause, but I think you can start to see a lot of information that is more fed to you in a menstrual cycle charting app or a menstrual cycle app rather than finding that in information out intrinsically by yourself. So first you download a menstrual cycle chart. Then you start by recording the first day of your period. And then when you get through that chart, you record the next day of your period, the next start of the next period. So each cycle or each chart reflects one menstrual cycle. And I recommend doing that for at least three consecutive months if you're just curious, but making it a daily lifelong practice throughout the, either during your childbearing years, if you're planning on having children, or during your fertile years, if you're planning on not having children, or you know want control over that and don't necessarily want to use um, hormonal contraception and you want to use this as a fertility awareness and contraceptive method, um, uh, then do it throughout your cycles. But again, you can start any time. Um, once you hit menopause and you're not cycling anymore, then that's when we stop because it's not relevant anymore. Optionally, you can record your cervical mucus through the month and your daily basal body temperature. And I'm going to talk about those in a minute. But as I said, consider using it as a daily check-in, even just like two minutes. Consider jotting down your daily moods, your cravings, your energy level, and other cycle sense signs that I teach you over at my cycle sensing podcast, and observe how these shift over the month and also month to month. Note how your emotions shift at different times in your cycle. You might even note that how you dress or your shopping habits or your relationship habits shift and ebb and flow as do your personal drives, your creativity, your ambitions, and you're capturing all this data, which becomes a really powerful inner guidance system once you learn how to recognize and use it. So method one is simply cycle tracking on a chart. Method two is cervical mucus tracking. So this is sort of the next add-on. And the two-day method, which is a standardized um, fertility tracking method for both getting pregnant and contraception, actually uses primarily just cervical mucus tracking. So it's a pretty reliable method. So what you do with this is you're tracking what is a normal liquid produced by your cervix in varying amounts during the course of your menstrual cycle. Over the course of your menstrual cycle, it changes in color, texture, and amount predictably in a healthy cycle. And it can be used really reliably to determine where you are in your menstrual cycle and if and when you're ovulating. So here's what that looks like. After your period, when you're not, it's when you're not likely to be as fertile, you'll notice and during your period, but it's harder to tell during your period because obviously you're bleeding. So that provides its own liquidity down there, if you will. And so you can't necessarily check the mucus, but right when your period's done, you'll notice that there's very little to minimal discharge. But as you go through that follicular phase, that first half of your cycle, your body starts to ramp up estrogen production. And as a result, you begin to notice that your cervical mucus, and you do not have to stick your fingers in there. You can just notice by what you wipe on the toilet tissue, you can wipe after you urinate, or when you sit down on the toilet, just grab a toilet tissue and have a wipe and see what the toilet tissue looks like. If it's dry or tacky or creamy material, then that's one type of mucus. But if it's really slippery and slick and even a little bit glossy looking, that's a different type of mucus. So what you're seeing now 
is a thicker, creamier, whitish yellow, and it's not stretchy or elastic or glossy. Toward the end of this phase, right before you start to ovulate, it starts to get a little thinner, maybe a little cloudy, and you might even notice that you feel damp. As you get to ovulating and the fertile window, this is when your vaginal discharge becomes plentiful, clear, and stretchy with a texture that's usually described as being like egg whites. This is due to increased production of cervical mucus called spinbarkite. It's different in quality than the vaginal secretions you might produce when you get sexually aroused because it's notably more stretchy. So if you were to touch it, you could pull it between your fingers, or even if you look on your toilet tissue, you'll see a more stretchy, shiny mucus down there. And if you were to kind of even pull the toilet tissue a little bit separated, you would see it, it stretches on the toilet tissue. Um, This is peak fertile mucus and signals the best time for conception or the time that you want to avoid unprotected sex because it's the time you're most likely to get pregnant. This, the amount that's produced is different for every woman. Not every woman produces a significant amount and this can be normal, but it's still more plentiful than at other times in your own cycle. In some women, it can be 20 times more than the usual amount of discharge. So it can be really significant. After you ovulate, you produce progesterone, which causes cervical mucus to get much thicker and drier and actually creates a mucus plug in the cervix that acts as a physical barrier, preventing sperm from making their way in because if you ovulated and conceived, your body wants to not have that sperm making their way up there. You kind of create a little sealed vessel for conception and pregnancy. But this also changes that quality of the cervical mucus. So you might notice less. And what you do notice is quite different, again, than that very fertile ovulatory mucus. After a a few days after you ovulate, the mucus becomes scanter and tackier, signaling a lower fertility phase. And as your period approaches, your discharge may become paste-like and even a little bit drier, which is much less um, hospitable for conception. However, if you had conceived, the cervical mucus may increase rather than subside. Things that can affect your cervical mucus readings include having recently used emergency contraception, hormonal contraception, douching, which I hope you know if you followed me never to do. There's no reason to ever douche. And also the use of some medications like antidepressants and tamoxifen. Also note that post-sex semen in the vagina makes it harder to assess the volume and quality of your cervical mucus. So take that into consideration when you're tracking, if you're in a hetero relationship. And when you are in that fertile window, of course, do other things or use a condom um, so that you um, don't conceive. But also, interestingly, when you're first learning to cycle track, because the semen does actually change the amount of fluid there, it may be really confusing. So I recommend that when you're learning to cycle track, use a condom, even if you're in a you know committed long-term relationship and you don't usually use them, to not obscure the um, your findings so that you can actually learn what you're tracking. So how do you start tracking? So check your cervical mucus each morning for the next six weeks, just to start to notice. And I say six weeks because you want to at least track through one full cycle and into another so you can see how things change. Record what you notice on your cycle sense chart, the one that you can download over at my website. 
your bleeding days, drier days, wet days, sticky or tacky days, cloudy days, and slippery days. If you don't have a 28-day cycle or any regular cycle, that's okay too. Just track the pattern according to your cycle. Same with your menstrual cycle. In fact, the cycle tracking chart that you can download, I believe, is uh, 35 or 38 days, so it gives room for a longer cycle. If your cycle is irregular or you're not ovulating, seeing mucus production come back online indicates that you're now moving toward a more natural, healthy cycle. There are a few ways to check your cervical mucus, depending on how up close and personal you want to get with it. Option one is to check out the color and texture of the discharge on your underwear each day. Option two is to wipe your vulva, but make sure you get your vaginal opening. That's the hole where the tampon goes in, if you're not familiar with that, um, with white toilet paper or tissue before you go pee. Look at the color and feel the mucus with your fingers or kind of pull on the tissue and see what the you know toilet tissue does. Option three is to insert a clean index finger just inside your vaginal opening, then look at the color and notice the texture of the mucus between your index finger and your thumb, kind of stretching it out. Okay, so method method three is the basal body temperature method of tracking. This step definitely takes more work, but I recommend it if you aren't sure whether you're ovulating and if you are using your cycle for contraception, you really don't want to get pregnant. Adding on that BBT, as it's called, is really important to give you that extra clarity on when you're ovulating. So basal body temperature, or BBT, is your internal body temperature when you're at rest. Right after ovulation, your BBT increases a predictable 0.5 to 1 degree Fahrenheit and remains at that temperature until your next period. Remember I said that after ovulation, you produce progesterone. Progesterone is slightly thermogenic, meaning it slightly increases body heat. So this is a really important indicator that you've ovulated. That rise lasts for about 10 days, or like I said, right until before your next period. Then your temperature drops back down again, coinciding with the start of the next follicular phase just before your next period starts. Keep in, or when your next period starts. Keep in mind that your basal body temperature is very sensitive to even subtle changes in your biology. This can happen with fever, stress, lack of, street, lack of sleep, moving around early in the morning, or even getting up to pee before you're checking your temperature. It can also be influenced by travel, time zone changes, sipping anything hot or cold before you change check your temperature. So any of these things could skew your readings. And I have actually midwifed several babies that are named after other countries <laughs> or cities. People were traveling, relying on their um, basal body temperature or cervical um, fluid or um, you know their cycle, but any of those things can be altered by travel. So you, you want to make sure that if you're traveling or, or altering your schedule or if you are sick or have been sick recently and haven't had a full regular cycle since, all of these things can alter your cycle. So again, use some backup form of contraception barrier method like condoms or diaphragm. Condoms are obviously easy. Most of us don't usually have a diaphragm in the background waiting for when we go off of our method. But you want to always, if you're using this method, fertility and awareness for contraception, you always want to have another method in the wings. So how do you start tracking? To record basal body temperature, you need a basal body thermometer. This is one that records 
two decimal points. So for example, you're going to see 98.21, not just 98.2. You can get this online or at a local pharmacy. You have to check your BBT first thing in the morning, ideally at the same time every day while you're still in bed, haven't started moving around yet, haven't gotten up to pee and haven't started eating or drinking. So keep your thermometer by your bedside, maybe on top of your smartphone to help you remember to use it first thing. Place the thermometer under your tongue for five minutes and then record the results on your cycle sense chart. And again, that's the one that you can download over at my website. Recording your BBT for at least three months will give you a sense of whether and when you're ovulating. If you notice that your BBT isn't going up as I described, that may be a sign that you're not ovulating. And remember, combining all three of these methods as a daily self-check, it just takes a few minutes and it gives you the clearest picture and the most important information about your cycle. So literally, keep your chart somewhere handy wake up in the morning, pop your thermometer in, write down your BBT, get up and go pee before you pee, check your cervical mucus, and boom, you're done. You simply write it on your chart while you're sipping your morning latte, your, you know, your coffee latte or your coffee, however you love it, or your ashwagandha chai latte or whatever you love to have in the morning. Now, there are a couple of additional cycle tracking signs in addition to what I teach you over in my cycle sensing podcast, which are the very common emotional, psychological, and even energy and exercise and food preferences that happen. Those are really important. And so on the cycle sensing chart, I plug all of those little data points in so you can really start to pay attention to them. And that's where it gets really fun and really cool. Well, there are also a couple of additional signs that our bodies give us that you can pay attention to if you want. So one is called middle schmerz, and that's a German word for middle pain. And these are ovulation twinges that some women get either in the lower left or lower right side of the abdomen, which is, which is near the ovary around ovulation. So whichever ovary is ovulating, some women get a, a little twinge or maybe even a little sharp pain. Now, not everyone experiences this, and you may not experience it even every cycle. So don't rely on that as a primary sign of ovulation, especially if you're using fertility awareness to avoid pregnancy. Another sign that you can use if you really want to get down with it is the position of your cervix. Um, so when you're checking your cervical mucus in the morning, you can actually reach your fingers in. And I actually, as a midwife, can't help it. But even though I'm talking to you on a podcast, I just did a finger gesture of checking a cervix, um, but or two finger gesture, I should say. But the position of your cervix gives you more information about your cycle. Close to ovulation, your cervix is higher in your vaginal canal. It's notably softer and mushier to the touch. It feels almost like your lips. The os, which is the opening of the cervix, is slightly wider and you can feel it actually almost like a little hole in a lifesaver and your cervix points more to the back of your vaginal canal rather than hanging out in the midline. Progesterone does the opposite, causing your cervix to sit lower in your vagina and feel firmer. So after ovulation, your cervix is um, a little bit lower and it's uh, a little bit firmer. To get a real sense of these changes though, you have to get, you have to check every single day. And, um, Otherwise, it's not really noticeable. And it's not really noticeable until you're ovulating. So it's when you're ovulating, pretty much the rest of your cycle, your cervix feels firmer, et cetera. And then all of a sudden when you're ovulating, it gets that softer, mushier, mushier feeling. And if you stay pregnant, 
Uh, if you get pregnant, it stays like that, actually, um, a little bit softer. If you want to get more technical about checking your fertility, you can use a fertility monitor. These track estrogen and luteinizing hormone to tell you when you're close to ovulation. I'm not a huge fan of those because they can really hang you up and get you really stressed out if you're trying to get pregnant. So in my world, in my practice, I actually don't use those monitors. I use these other three methods that I've shared with you, the basal body temperature, cycle tracking on a chart, and cervical mucus. Speaking of cycle tracking and apps and monitors, can you use a cycle tracking app instead? You can absolutely use a smartphone app to track your menstrual cycle. Just know that most of those apps are based on the premise that women have a 28-day menstrual cycle with regular mid-cycle ovulation that's 14 days before a period. But that's not necessarily the case for every woman or for even most women. In fact, internationally, the average is 29.5 days for a menstrual cycle. So using those apps for pregnancy prevention can be really risky. Furthermore, a 2016 study found that at least 20% of those apps contained inaccurate or erroneous information. So if you use an app to keep track of your cycle, you know, I still recommend keeping track on paper. And again, I really recommend turning off the predictor function because instead of learning about your own cycle, you kind of get this information fed to you and can kind of create a little bit of a expectation or um, positivity or negativity bias where you do or don't experience the symptoms that you're being told you should or shouldn't experience instead of the ones that you actually are. You may have heard a lot about fertility trackers on the market that allow you to take your temperature each morning and automatically transfer that information to an app. And in theory, this tells you that if you're within your fertile window or not. And it sounds great considering it takes some work you know, tracking everything out. But please know that these aren't perfect predictors either. Most studies are company funded and some specific studies claiming accuracy rates have been retracted. Even one was retracted from a medical journal, which make, makes knowing how reliable they are actually difficult because they're, stud, you know, they're funded by the company. So those companies themselves have a confirmation bias. If you do choose to use them, it's certainly more information than not tracking at all. But again, I personally prefer the pen and paper method and not counting on those as your sole method of information. Most women find that after some time, even just a few months, they, know, they don't need to record changes in their cervical mucus or even chart everything anymore. It just kind of kicks in as a sixth sense. For me, a few years into charting my cycle, I stopped using the pen and moon calendar. I did it as just for fun, but I didn't track everything anymore because I already knew kind of in my bones um, and in my cycle symptom signs when I had that energy boost. I found myself you know, really, really aware of that. And I also always relied on my um, moods, my cycle tracking and my cervical mucus. So, you know, it's not necessary, again, unless you're not sure if you're ovulating or you're using it for contraception to continue to use the basal body temperature, but do it for a while, do it for at least a few months to really get the hang of it. And if you want to learn more in detail, you can check out my new book, Hormone Intelligence. You can check out my colleague, Lisa Henderson Jacks, Hendrickson Jack's fertility awareness classes. She wrote a great book called The Sixth Vital Sign that has a workbook that goes with it. And there are also some oldie but goodie books that I still love, including the first one that I ever got that'll help you chart like a pro, including uh, A Cooperative Method of Natural Birth Control by Margaret Knopfziger, or Taking Charge of Your Fertility, the 20th Anniversary Edition by Tony 
Weschler. I hope this has been fun and interesting and informative. I really hope that you'll make this a daily practice. I also deeply hope that if you have a daughter or a niece, you'll give her a cycle tracking chart. You'll give her my book or one of the books I've mentioned and introduce her to the beauty and power of her menstrual cycle and all the information that it can give her about herself, her body, her reproductive health, and the actual power that we have as women in this sixth sense, this sixth vital sign, and this cycle sensing to really deeply have awareness of our bodies and a lot more control than we may have ever been told about our reproductive health. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time on Natural MD Radio. you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.